you know, when it comes to family and work, you know, one one feeds your mortgage bank balance and the other one feeds your soul. Yeah, um, I love that. Gotta I be, love that. You gotta be, we, we need to be mindful, not just um, Islanders, but um, as men, mm. um, as leaders of our community um, and just show the way for our young people. Hey, Look Sharp family, Vita here from the Look Sharp podcast. Uh, myself, Fale and Moss are very excited to bring to you our next guest, uh, Manni. He is one awesome individual that has done so much in the uh, Gold Coast community um, and we can't wait for you guys to listen in. So just kick back, stay ready, Look Sharp, listen in. Alrighty, welcome everybody to the Look Sharp podcast. Uh, I'll be your host tonight, Vita, but also in the studio with me I have my boys, Moss and Fale. What up? is going on? How are we? How are we? And the man of the moment uh, that we're having tonight, we're very, we are very fortunate to have our money. I'll get him to introduce it himself. How are you going? Boys, my name is Amani Matumu. Um, currently living on the Gold Coast. Um, so I'm born, New Zealand raised, and yeah, blessed to call Australia for the last. 23 years home. Excellent. You're pretty much Aussie now then, money, eh? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, that's Let's all right. Go. Man, everybody else we talk to, they go for the All Blacks. So at least you've, uh, we're slowly getting to the towards roots. the, yeah, we're getting back to the islands. So awesome. <laughs> See, they lost against Ireland on the weekend. I was like, oh, good job. <laughs> Yeah. Boy, how about that Bundy? Bundy Aki Fai Car for Ireland. Oh, yeah. Good player. Yeah, got some good talent coming out. Mm. So awesome, man. But, you know, to let the listeners know a little bit um, about yourself, Money, um, yeah. tell us a little bit about right from the beginning. So tell us about your family. Tell us about your parents, where you guys are from. So obviously, there's some Samoan heritage in there. Uh, yeah, so both my parents are Samoan. I was born in Savai'i, the big island. Um, and my parents are from different islands. Uh, I don't, they, apparently they met in the hospital. Uh, I, didn't, I spent most of my years growing up in New Zealand. Uh, so my parents moved when I was about four or five years old. But it's um, strange that now that I'm older, a lot of these um, memories are coming back. Um, Especially living near the beach with my grandparents, um, mm. riding a horse, well. and just running along those rocky volcanic uh, roads. Yeah, um, and just the smells, you know, especially ah. baby oil. Every time you put on that baby oil, it just reminds you of little kid. <laughs> you know, it's funny how when you are describing that i'm thinking paradise man that would be like the place i want to be i want to go there i want to relax but then you think about the people in the islands they're like man i want to go to australia i want to make the money and mm. it's it's a constant battle yeah where one thinks oh i want to be here and the other one wants to be in the other place so mm. you know but i guess you know regardless we're blessed where we are and um you know you've made um you know your your moves and you're in australia now mm. I guess, where do you fit in the, the picking order when you talk about your, your siblings? Where do you fit in that, that hierarchy? 
So my dad was a bit of a player, and uh, so I've got a few. Um, Yo. <laughs> Shout out to all the players. A few uh, brothers and sisters um, scattered around, but um, biologically, between my mom and dad, there was um, myself. I'm the oldest. Um, my younger sister and younger brother. Um, and as you know, being the oldest and especially being a male, responsibility falls heavily on you to look after everything else. Yeah, I want to touch on that um, a little bit, if that's okay, uh, Amani, because um, I'm not too sure about other cultures, but especially in the island culture, um, yeah. the eldest is <clears throat> a lot of responsibility to pave the way to try and be the best that they can. Um, so that the rest can have something to follow. Did you feel those sort of pressures growing up as well? I think when you're growing up with it, it's um, that's life. Mm. As you grow up and you reflect on it, that was a lot of pressure for for children, for young people growing up. Um, you know, if if something happens to a younger sibling, you're the one who gets in trouble for it because yeah. you're after them. You know, you're the one who cops all the hidings and the big growlings. Yeah. Now that I'm old, I reflect around. I said, I've never seen my um, siblings get a hiding. Yeah, wow. <laughs> as bad as I did. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They live the they live the good life, huh? Yes. <laughs> but it's interesting because um and I might digress here, I met another um Samoan guy here who's probably 10 years younger and leading our cultural um, revival here on the Gold Coast. Yo. He he um, recognized that. And he said, your generation got the hard life. Yeah. And so our, my generation um, got the love that you guys didn't get. Yeah. And because of the pressures of the, the, really my, uh, the new migration, the pressure on keeping your kids in line, not just because of um, your move to New Zealand for a better life, but what you represent in community, especially being Islanders, which is different from a white New Zealand, yeah. You know, they didn't want to be the family that um, gave Samoa a bad name. Yeah. Parents just kept you in line, and that line was straight. Mm. And there's, there's positives and negatives to it, yeah? The way, um, even though it was maybe the harder route, like you said, um, it's all you ever knew, um, and you're able to lead, you know? If, yeah. you know, your dad says, hey, get up, go do this, yep. you know, you already knew how to do it. Where um, sometimes now, uh, you know, I think that's a little bit missing. Would you agree or? Oh, definitely. And, you know, uh, since uh, my dad passed in 2015, I really reflect on um, trying to balance the two cultures mm. of what you grew up with and what we are trying to deal with within our own children um, now. You know, uh, someone saying is um, to be a leader, you have to serve. Whereas the white way is their focus is on you being independent. But for yeah. Islanders, you learn your independence by serving your family and your community first. Exactly. You learn that, you know how to do that outside your house. Yeah. And <clears throat> like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's deep on so many levels. But like you said, it's that constant battle. How do you find that, that perfect balance? Because we want to be, you know, hard on the future generation, but not too hard. Um, but we don't yeah. want to be too soft on the, the other end as well, yeah. And um, yeah. for Moss and Fale, you know, we're all we're all fathers as well, and we've got our own kids. And you know, we're trying to find that balance now. So this podcast is perfect to you know talk about some of those issues, um, yeah. but find ways that we can you know work together as well. I think um, finding the balance um, 
difference between the old school parenting that we up with to what we need now is that back then you were just given a direction and you just did it. Yeah, yeah just follow it. Yeah. These days you get explained why you have to do it that way. Yeah. Because a lot of the times you go, okay, I'll just do it, but you don't know why. But now if you explain to a young person or a child, you have to do this because of this and it's safety, yeah. it's culture, it's tradition, and then you go, oh, okay. Whereas back then it's... You, Get given an order, you jump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, happens, what happens if you ask why? <laughs> <laughs> I show you why. You get the eyebrows, hmm? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay. Good, good answer. <laughs> but you see as well, right, money, like a lot of the, the kids that grew up that way, like with the poly families, right? They end up taking those lessons into workplace and sports environment. Um you know, being shy to talk and we were mm. spoken about it a few times as well um, because of those things, right? Never ask questions, you just do it. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, and then some, like there's a saying, and, and I might get it wrong, but RIP to all the opportunities that you lost because you were shy, you know? Mm. And that saying, I, I think fits well with us because a lot of us are shy and a lot of us are, uh, are withheld, withdrawn and just keep to ourselves. And that's, that's due to our upbringing. So then, mm. You know, the reason why someone at work might get the promotion is because even though, you know, Sione was a good worker and, and he did well, he just never questioned or he never challenged. Whereas yeah. the other people that question and challenge, you know, they kind of get their way. Um, but yeah, totally, yeah. totally can see what you mean by. Yeah, our, our nature, our humbleness um, works against us in the workplace. Yeah. And um, I've learned to change that, especially working in, working with um, departments like child safety and QPS, uh, police, um, and, you know, just that higher level government. Mm. Um, In the early days, I was just very quiet and just nod and yep, yep. But, you know, you learn to find your voice and understand where you stand um, in that space. And you actually surprise a lot of people. I know for myself, um, I'm very much like that where, I'm not the person that speaks up all the time. Um, mm. But now that, you know, all of us boys, we're all managers. Uh, when we speak and people learn of our experiences, they're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. So it's yeah. about just, you know, showcasing your talents and, um, you know, being able to be confident um, in your abilities as well. So that's that's awesome. How, how long were you in New Zealand for um, when you were growing up? Uh, we moved there... Uh... 1980 and I moved moved to Australia in 1998. Okay. Do you you remember much about what was the landscape in New Zealand like? We're about to grow up. Um, Like I said before, as you're older now and reflecting, um, where we lived when we first moved over was very um, predominantly white. Um, I actually actually remember my feelings of going to school, not speaking English. Oh, well. Shattered, eh? Yeah. And my, I remember my dad saying, yeah, I'd, I'd go home crying saying that nobody spoke Samoan. <laughs> I remember my only brown friend was a New Wayne. Mm. Now, I only knew he was New Wayne because he um, had brown, long hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember one of the neighbors would always, you know, growl us kids and just point at us. But we're, we're the only brown kids that you um be telling off in that. Uh, and I didn't understand, but now I was like, man, that guy probably actually abusing me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've 
Um, so the, a lot of the younger years were in New Zealand, uh, and then somehow you've made your way to Australia. How how was that transition made from New Zealand to Australia? How did you end up here in the uh, the lucky country? I actually uh, ran away from home. Wow. Um, the the pressures um, of just culture. Um, yeah, I came really away from culture and um, family. Uh, I was twenty two. I just finished my twenty second birthday, and I was I planned my trip to Australia. And my dad thought I was going for a holiday. And my cousin said, oh, I'll move over with you. So my uncle rang my dad and said, oh, we're going to have a farewell for the boys. No. 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 They're going to live. Oh, that's when the meeting was called. But um, going, coming to Australia, I, I didn't know what I was coming into. I thought, all I knew of Australia was um, neighbours and home and away. So yeah. All of them were white people and Steve Owen. I uh, flew into Cairns, saw all the tropical trees, and I asked the stewardess, oh, excuse me, I'm supposed to go into Australia. She goes, oh, yeah, this is Australia. <laughs> I walked out of the Cairns airport, and man, the heat just hit me in the face. It was like, full. I was like, oh, it's April, isn't it? It's supposed to be winter. And they said, this is our winter. <laughs> so did you stay in Kent for a little while or was it just a stopover? Or um, I stayed there for two years. And then I actually got an opportunity to move to Canberra to play rugby. So you went from the, the tropics up the top all the way down to the the Antarctica of Australia in the in Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know where I was going because they said, oh, you, like, I've got a call and they said, oh, they're looking for some Lucy's. Do you want to come down? I said, oh, yep. And then within two weeks, I was on a plane flying to Canberra and I didn't realise how big Australia was, eh? Mm. But I played for the Cairns rep team and we went to Mount Isa. And after four hours, after four hours I was like, um... How long does it take to get there? And they're like, oh, probably another 10 hours. And I was like, what? I <laughs> <laughs> don't have enough snacks. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but, you know, Australia's been amazing and such a blessing. Yeah, definitely. And so you talk about your, so that was all football career, was it? Football and, you know, um, sports is um, one of the, greatest medium to meeting people and making new oh, connections. Yeah. It's just a language you can talk anywhere you go. Mm. Ah, awesome. And where did you find yourself to, I guess, settle down and start working um, and, you know, just starting life in Australia? I think I probably really grew up in, in 2004 when I moved back to uh, Brisbane with some family. Um, I left Cairns, uh, that uh, rugby contract come up at a really good time because all I was doing was working construction and drinking from Wednesday to Sunday. Mm. Afterwards. That's the last thing, yeah. It was just work and drink, work and drink yeah. and be in there somewhere. So it was a blessing to get that contract to get away from that stuff. And at the same time, I was thinking, man, there's got to be more to life than just work and drink. Mm. And then... Uh, when I was in Canberra, I left Canberra uh, mid-season because I went for the New South Wales Police Force. 
Hey. Um, nice. And I just missed out and I said, if I get in, I'll stay in Canberra. If I don't, I'm off to Brisbane. Yeah. Came to Brisbane, lived in with my cousin and started settling in. Still did some security and then ended up with uh, a child uh, youth justice uh, role. That's crazy. And hey, so, that- hey, money. So you you being in, so what, that would have been, so you came over 22, that would have been at least a few years. What was it? Could you see massive differences between things in Oz compared to things in New Zealand? I didn't. When I when I lived in Canberra, uh, sorry, when I lived in Cairns, it was a big eye opener in regards to understanding the indigenous culture of Australia. Yeah, right. honestly, that Australia was a white nation. I didn't realize they had a First Nation. Um, so I had a good friends um, in the Aboriginal community, the Torres Strait. Um, and I was really disappointed not to be able to get up to a tourist strike because of awesome fishing. <laughs> um, and you know, I noticed it in the TV ads too. I said, everybody on the TV are white. You hardly mm. any brown faces. And I've definitely seen the changes over the last few years, um, in, especially in Queensland. Yeah. Because that's the thing as well, right, money? Because in New Zealand, and again, I'm plastic, I don't know much about New Zealand, but what I know from my wife, but over there, they really embrace their indigenous, right? Like Maori culture is so deeply rooted into, you know, Aotearoa, the the New Zealand culture, right? So, and then you you come over here and you can see the differences, yeah? Yeah. In in New Zealand, Maori was pretty much your second language to your native tongue. Uh, and I had good, um, really good Tongan friends. I could speak a bit of Tongan. I could speak a bit of Cook Island. Sucks. Even the Vietnamese, Vietnamese, because we had, um, uh, what you call it, uh, refugees next door. <laughs> yeah, wow. So it was very different coming to Australia, living in Cairns and especially Canberra. Canberra is another white city. But heaps of Tongans in Canberra. Yeah, there's a shout out to all the Tongans in Canberra. Apparently there's stacks. Especially out in Queenbian. Queenbian, was it? Queenbian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heard a little bit about Queenbian. I don't know. I don't know how they ended up there. Like, out of all the places, <laughs> they're, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, all the rugby contracts ended. Because <laughs> Canberra's huge for rugby as well, eh, man? Yeah. Like I've heard, like, a few people say, oh, they went to Canberra for the rugby. Yeah. Rugby union and rugby league. If we talk about your, um, you know, your studies, uh, you gave us a little bit of a, a background on yourself and you talked about um, possibly pursuing other careers as well. So you talked about, um, you know, applying to be a police officer. Apparently your dad used to be a police officer back, back in the day in the islands. Yeah, my, um, my auntie tells me that uh, my late father was the first police officer in um, our village, Mangiangi. Nice. Yo. Oh, the and he was a hard man too. Well, you'd have to be. You know, back back in the days, you know, they were built tough, hey. Like even like my old man, hey, he's smaller than me, shorter than me. But man, at any time, if he gives me like you said those eyebrows, man, I'm washing the dishes, I, I, I'm mopping the floors, I'm doing everything I can just so he puts those eyebrows down. So no, he has to be one of the strongest men. And I think it, it comes with respect. I think uh, in back in the day, um, you, you need to be respected to have positions like that. It's not a place where you can apply. Um, 
and you know it, it's that you know it takes a, a whole town to raise, raise a person a whole village to raise a person um and you know for him to do that is you know and so to, to say that and what um my brother was alluding to um did you take some traits from your dad um when leading people in in your new job or um you know were the things that he showed you um for that thing or for that uh definitely i've uh, probably taken on some good and bad traits um i can be very uh, direct yeah gotcha. um, but I've learned to tone it down, um, you know, to um, keep people happy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the balance. Um, <laughs> you know, when I tell them, think, hey, oh, Sanko. But um, definitely, but I um, do everything, I try and do everything with integrity. Um, and it's funny because um, when people talk to me, they go, you never, I always say we. And us, it's, ne it's never I did this or yeah, yeah. You know, always gotta be humble because you know it doesn't take um, doesn't take much to stumble. Mm. Uh, be humble doesn't take much to stumble. I like that one. That's gonna be the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, when you, it might be when you were when you were talking about police officer, but before that you had aspirations of being an architect as well, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, at school, I was always um, in the top three of um, of my uh, grades. And um, when I finished high school, my parents asked if I wanted to carry on to TAFE, um, of TAFE over there. And because I saw my parents, you know, work to sun up to sundown, I was like, no, nah, I'll just go find me a job. It was the same. I got an opportunity to go to Wesley College. Oh, yeah. My dad wanted to send me, and I knew being a private school that comes with a lot of fees. Mm. I was like, no, it's okay. Because what was what was mum and dad doing back in NZ? Uh, my mum worked as a receptionist in the insurance company, and yeah. she's still still doing that now. Yeah. Um, and my dad worked in a factory um, for food food and goods. Yeah. I used to work in the factory uh, during school holidays. Ah, uh, yep. And I understand you've you've got your own kids now. Um, have your thoughts around you know studies um, changed at all, or um, you know what, how do you feel about um, I guess that decision? And then if your kids had to make the decision, uh, do you have different thoughts, or do you feel uh, or respect either way what they choose? Um, well, study for me, I like I started um, my community work in two thousand four. Yeah. In, in the time when you didn't need a um, a piece of paper to say you were qualified, uh, yeah. you know, four years later in two thousand eight, uh, my manager at the time said, "You know what? We really need to get you um, doing some study, um, just to say that you are qualified." And that's the way the industry was going. Mm. Um, and but luckily for me, when I um, did my uh, diploma in youth work. Um, the assessor come out, did my interview, and she pretty much RPL the whole thing. Hey, she said, you've done everything here. Yeah, so for, for those that um, don't understand RPL, it's recognition of prior learning. So basically, um, you know, we have a lot of people that have worked years and years in certain industries. Mm. And if you can demonstrate that you can do it, you, yeah. they'll just give you the, cert the certification for it um, uh, because you're competent in that. 
Um, yeah. And that's something I probably would challenge a lot of our people that have been working in certain industries for, you know, 6, 10, 17, 27 years. Mm-hmm. Um, look at opportunities where you can actually get a piece of paper without doing the study. Yeah. Um, would you Would you agree, Money? Oh, definitely. I, I, I'm always looking for ways um, to help our people because, you know, we're too quiet. We yeah. stay in behind the scenes. Uh, which most of us do and you know there are ways of helping us and um and it's not it's not to take away um that they are qualified but it's just to prove um to the people that we are yeah. we know that they're qualified but mm. you know, people need that piece of paper unfortunately <clears throat> yeah awesome um but it's also a good opportunity for people to understand there's no one way to a successful career path um, yeah. you don't have to go to university you don't have to go to TAFE um, yeah. and for those that do it's you know it's it's awesome and it's great and it's something that you you, you should pursue it's you know totally your choice but yeah. there are opportunities to to work in other places and work yourself up um, again relating it back to uh, myself and the boys um, you know we both all started at the bottom um, yeah. and we found a, a company or a place where we can actually use our skills and grow from the ground up. So without having to um, do lengthy studies, we uh, you know we just grinded away and just got the next position up, next position up, and now we're managing you know you know a, a massive group of um, individuals. So that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. And um, if we talk about now, I want to. So we've kind of had the entree. We've We've talked about yourself and what's led you up to this point. The the real meat and potatoes that we really want to get into is your community work and how, um, I guess, you find it. What's the landscape of the the youth and, I guess, the, the people that you deal with um, and, you know, really start from there. So do you want to, I guess, give us a bit of a, a background on what work you do um, within the community for community work? Yeah, so I've been in community for about, 15 years now. Um, I started as a youth worker for youth justice. Then I did some time with uh, corrections. Then I come back to child safety, um, you know, foster care work. Um, and at the moment, I'm working for a place called Gold Coast Youth Service. Um, Yo, TCYS. TCYS. And uh, our main priority there is uh, supporting young people who are at risk of homelessness, uh, but they've got other programs. Um, I've pretty much worked in all the programs um, in transition from care. So that's supporting young people who are in state care and making sure that they've got somebody um, to stay connected to as they find their way into independence. <clears throat> We've got early interventions, so those are for young people who are still at home, still at school, but they're starting to get rocky. Yeah. Um, the team gets in there and supports the family. Um, yeah, we've got, it's all youth support. Yeah. Now, you guys, you guys do some amazing things, and I work alongside you, Mani. Um, you know, thank you for for helping out every Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I know you you're doing some some things at, at one of our, our centers as well that finished up today, but um. Just a just a quick one as we're talking and then listening to you, you're you're shifting to to working with youth and or working with young people. Um, was was that at all linked to your upbringing and carrying the burden of being the oldest sibling at all? Do you see? Is there any um, 
yeah, any relations there at all? Or it was just a love uh, for working with young people? You know, a lot of the a lot of my time and when I'm stressed, I always ask God, you know, why am I in this role? Yeah. I, I've tried leaving twice and you always bring me back. <laughs> Are you punishing me? <laughs> but um I, I fell into it by accident and you know I say nothing's by accident. Yeah, of course. For a reason. Um, but uh, you know, it's a passion of mine to see um, young people, not just Samoan or island kids, but just young people in general to better um, their lives. Um, I've seen so much and heard a lot through child protection that it's very sad. And you know, through that, through my time of working community, I've become a father. And especially when I was in the foster care system, and you know, you get a referral for a sibling group of a six-month-old, a three-year-old. Mm. And you've got no place to keep them together. You know, you have to separate that sibling group. That kind of stuff, you know, just refuels your your love for, for people. Yeah. Also, it breaks your heart because there are people or parents out there doing the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, with us, money, we deal with a lot of high-pressure situations at work, as you could imagine, um, life and death situations at time. Yeah. Um, and it's and sometimes I find myself, especially in the early days, carrying that stuff home. Um, yeah. How do you go about some of those heart-wrenching stuff that you deal with on a day-to-day? Do, do you find it easier to deal with now that you're 15 years deep? Or, you know, in the early days, were you taking some of that stuff home and sort oh, of dwelling on it a bit? I remember my one of my first um, jobs at child safety. I was um, a uh, contact supervisor. Yeah. We picked up these three little boys who had just been removed from their parents, and their parents were only nineteen. I took them to the park, got them to um, you know have their time. It was an hour and a half, and then when I said, "Oh, it's time to go." The kids were crying. The parents were crying. Nah. I'm there to trying to get the kids in the car, and I'm just yeah. and then I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> Man, who wouldn't though, right? That's and I went back and so I had a good debrief with my team leader, and she said, oh, "That's just you know that these parents uh, neglected their children, was leaving them home alone." Yeah. Now for me to see that, but these kids were in foster care, and the biggest difference for me was, I was thinking, where's the extended family? Yeah. yeah. For us, our unit is not just the household. You've got yeah. your uncles, aunties, mm-hmm. second line of family. And it was a real culture shock for me to understand that, man, these are, these, there's people out there that don't have anybody. And it's hard. Like you said, um, some, of, some families don't have that culture. They don't have the, the understanding of, um, you know, having that extra family or that extra layer um, of respect. Um, I know growing up in high school, I remember, you know, hanging out with mates and then um, I remember just talking and then one of them says, oh man, I hate my mom. I'm like, what? <laughs> How can you hate your mom? That's crazy. That's next level. Right? You know, and for me, that word is such a strong word. And for me, mm. I would never <clears throat> use it because that's not, you know, in my nature and the, not the way that I, I was raised. Um, yeah. But for that, um, for my friend, he didn't have uh, the same cultural upbringing that I had. Um, and I think we need to be understanding of others and their, their culture and upbringing. Um, but also, now that I'm a little bit older, 
Um, we don't know, you know, those 19 year old parents, what was their upbringing like? And have they passed that down from generation to generation and on to the next? I know dealing with youth, a lot of times, you know, there are some behavioral issues, but that's not the issue. It's, you know, what um, experiences have, have they had in their life that has brought them to become like that? Um, have you have you seen any of that, I guess, those traits or those things transpire with your work? Oh, so many. Um, that is, you know, nail on the head, you know. But what amazes me are the kids who come from um, really dysfunctional families, but they want to finish year 12. Mm. They want to finish year 10. It's like those are the ones that make me, oh, man, I'll do whatever you need to get to that <laughs> And then, you know, you've got the kids who come from a great family, parents are, are awesome, they do everything for their child, but they're off stealing cars. Yeah, so you, you can't pick it up. It's hard to say that, you know, um, the environment uh, breeds a kid. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, I think young people will always make their, their choice. I mean, you know, I've made my silly mistakes when I was a teenager. Um, and I've definitely learned from them as I've gone along. But I think I was, the lucky thing about us as um, community and as big units is we have, if, you don't, if, you're, if you're having a hard time with your parents, you see your uncle, your cousins. Mm. Sometimes these people, they go see the drugs, the alcohol. Yeah. They don't have anybody else to debrief with. But even I think about, um, the times today and I, I might be wrong and it might be just you know my circumstances and sometimes with um, the people I see um, you know with the use of additional technology and um, the way that we communicate to each other um, it's gone from let's all you know ride our bikes down the street and catch up together um, yeah, yeah. to just texting each other um, you know we used to call each other all the time and talk on the phone because you know I think I, I remember um when you used to have to text somebody because it costs 30 cents a text. So you have to use that whole text message. Otherwise <laughs> you're wasting your money. Yeah? Um, and now all texting's free. There's all these different apps and there's no, there's no end to it. So uh, a lot of their, um, a lot of the, the way that they communicate with each other is through Instagram, Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I yeah. think sometimes it separates them because it's so easy just to do it as opposed to phone calls and actual catch-ups. Do you, would you uh, agree with that? Or do you see anything like that happening in the community? Oh, Hada, when you listen to the young people's communication skills, mm. they're terrible face-to-face. -face. And, you know, I, I've got young people, I'll ring them. They won't answer, but then they'll text me. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. just pick up the phone. Like, technology, yeah, it has... Um, it's something we can't stop, but it, mm. it's happened over the decades. You know, it was the landline and then video games and the video games have evolved. And it's funny when you're talking about, um, you know, texting your friend, because I actually remember ringing my cousin who lived three suburbs away. He didn't answer his phone and I walked all the way to his house to make sure if he was home or not. <laughs> oh, with technology, everything is instant and that's the, the problem today with young people is they don't have the patience 
Mm. All that information is already there, just coming yeah. at 2,000 miles per hour. Like even sometimes I see youth, uh, young people, even people sleeping rough, you know, and you can tell they haven't had change of clothes for, for a few weeks. But even that being said, or pushing a trolley, they've got the latest iPhone or something like that, you know? Or the latest TNs. The latest TNs, yeah. Spot on, man. Spot on. <clears throat> Sorry, Fali, did you have? Oh, I, think you uh, I just no? I put my uh, hand up to, um, you know, texting rather than calling. If anyone knows me, I, I didn't really pick up the phone. I kind of text. And for me, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, for, for me, right, it's like I get my message across and then I don't have to say, how are you? But I think that's the problem, right? Like, for me anyway, it's anxiety. For, for me, like, oh, do I have to answer his question properly? Or what, what do I say? And I kind of second guess myself. And I get to a point where I'm mm. like, man, just text him. Because if I answer, then I'll have to answer all of his other questions. So, you know, yeah. if, if it's happening for me and, and you know, Vita um, and we, we grew up each, uh, with each other, he was really good at communicating where I wasn't. And so well, what, what yeah. I would do, I'd be reserved. Um, and then I'd only speak when I want to speak. But... I had so much to say, but I just didn't know how to say it. So, you know, to have somebody like you, an enabler, to kind of help those people that can't say things, I think is really important because, um, yes, you know, we have the the community unit um, as a whole um, as being Pacific Islanders, but I also see in in my work, there's a lot of shame sometimes that they don't want to kind of say that they have a problem um, when they really do have a problem. And, And, you know, I'm only seeing that now through through myself sometimes because like sometimes when i'm trying to connect with somebody um i'll just send a text or i'll just send a funny meme when really i'm asking for you to help me but i just don't know how to say it so um do you see that in the community a lot that you know they they want to reach out but they can't because of the shame that's part of it you know in the island community oh in the island community oh for sure um and you can advertise as much as you can um tell people um, to check in on their neighbors. And I think the problem with social media is it's okay to, it's easy to advertise, but to action it, people, for people's perspective and action is, oh, I like that post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rather than getting off your, your butt yeah. and walking next door and say, hey, are you yeah. okay? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, um, People, I think I, I spoke to a group of men and we talked about communication and it's about um, knowing how to ask the right questions. Not just are you okay, but have a conversation that will lead to are you okay without mm-hmm. saying are you okay? Because you can say are you okay? And they go, yep. Yeah. Are you really okay? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 straight away. When there's just a one word answer, they're not okay. Mm. But yeah, and that's the problem with um, our Samoan people. And shame is a big thing. Mm. But I think the only way we can get around that is have um, community leaders like yourselves to lead the conversation and show that you know it's fine to have a chat about it. And getting and when they start talking, they feel relieved. Yeah. And those people and they start talking to other people and it, you know it's just paid forward yeah it's crazy though right money like so you've been doing this for a little bit now so 15 years so when you first started as opposed to now how do you feel about the current situation with young people is it getting worse 
is it improving? I know that you guys do a lot of good work around providing and things like that. But well, what's what's the situation like currently? How do you see it? The thing is, the state of the city is not as bad as um, media makes it out to be. Yeah. Um, you know, when we actually go through the stats, um, the young people that are committing, well, the, the number of offences isn't as high as um, you see on the TV. It's sensationalised. Yeah. And when you look at, um, when you really go down the list, there's only a small amount of um, young people that are committing those um, high-risk offending um, offences. Um the, I think the biggest problem, which is also something that is awesome, is we're becoming a, such a multicultural city. Mm. People are losing <clears throat> actual culture. Yeah. Learning to get on with each other, but forgetting who they are. Yeah. That makes sense. And a lot of these kids who come from New Zealand or the islands, when they come to Australia, it, it feels like they escape from their culture. Like I did. Yeah. Like, the thing with me is I always had my culture. I had my culture embedded in me. Yeah. When I moved to Cairns and I hung out for a couple of Islanders, the way they behaved, I was like, man, you wouldn't behave yeah. like that back in South Auckland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of our kids are. It's that um, lack of identity. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm Samoan, but I, I'm also Australian. Yeah. You know, am I Samoan or am I Australian? And the unfortunate thing is you you get more benefits if you're Australian. Yeah. But that's difficult as well, right? Because, you know, at home, Samoa, Tonga, you know, Cook Islands, Fiji, that's all talking to you, you know, for that short time that you're awake in the morning and then yep. you spend those afternoons. But, you know, for a majority of the 12 hours a day, Australia's talking to you and that Australian culture and the music and how everything is. So... You know, it's very conflicting. You can understand, right? How, yeah, yeah, man. People, yeah, are, are unsure about themselves, and you know, you can only look at the current music scene, I guess, where people are representing postcodes, you know, more than anything else. You know, from Ipswich, or I'm from, you know, North Breeze or Mount Druitt. So, nah, man. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, and totally agree. And it's, you know, it's nothing new. I mean, when I was growing up, NWA was the big thing coming through. Ooh. If the police was, you know, their number one hit. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. I see it as it happens in each decade. Mm. We go through a, a, a trend, just like um, with young people these days. At the moment, the trends are stealing cars. Before that, it was chroming. Before that, it was stocking, um, jumping people in alleyways. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as I think as technology evolves, it's going to go that way. Yeah. And they're going to become smarter and be like these um, cyber, what do you call it? Cyber hackers. Cyber hackers. Yeah. These are getting smarter. Yeah. But they're not getting wiser. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I also think sometimes there's not enough role models that they can look up to or they mm. can kind of uh, relate to. We talk about all the time. Um, you said, you know, when you think about Australia, you think about home and away, there's not many people that, you know, look like you or that you can kind of relate to. And I think, honestly, that's why I think everybody, if you're Tongan, Samoan, Cook Islander, whatever it is, at one point, 
you've kind of told someone that you're related to the rock because you can relate to him yeah you're like this guy's a pacific islander he's a role model for me yeah he's actually my dad (laughs) (laughs) but like is there anybody else out there and that's what we're really trying to create and just say you know what you you can see us in the community we're not going to say we're famous or that we're the the biggest role models um, Mm -hmm. but we're definitely someone that you can actually see um, that we're professionals in our own rights and you can actually look at having a career path and, and don't feel like you only fit in this box because somebody treats you a certain way. No, that's um, exactly right. And and the pro- <laughs> and young people, as young people do, their role models are the superstars. Yeah. yeah. You know, where and again, when they when they're talking about where the superstars are, they want to be instant superstars. Yeah. They want to put in the hard work. They don't want to grind it out. They just want to be instant superstars. Yeah. And, you know, having good role models is important. Um, you know, in my area was the, the, um, my dad. When I think yeah. about it, there's a saying that I saw before, just before I became a father. I was going through Google and I came across this awesome thing that I tell everybody. And when I speak to young people um, at schools and as um uh, by the time a father, uh, by the time a father has a son, that son realizes his father was right. Yeah, wow. yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yeah, my dad was right, and it's that whole discipline yeah. and the things that they they drilled into you, and you know, the the real roots and the. The blood of our cultures is just respect and serving our people. That's just lost in the, these kids coming through. Yeah. So, what's the what are some of the answers? Do you feel, or what are the some some of the things that you know us as now you know we're we're moving from you know being the the young guys to the the older you know the fathers and you know hopefully you know the the leaders of um or role models for the younger people what can we do i know we've talked about a lot of the um the issues but let's talk about solutions what are some of the solutions you think that we can start and implement well everybody's always talking about having a conversation um but we we need to do more than that it's more um, educating our people um Mm. one of the biggest problems in society is everybody's working more than nine to five to live a comfortable life mm. to the point where there's no quality time for family. Yeah, spot on. And it's trying to find that balance, and it's 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 a it's a tough one, but it, um, teaching our people on how to have that balance and being able to do work at work and do home at home. Yeah. Uh, one of my cousins, who's um, a, a youth speaker, he said family gets the best of you work gets the leftovers ah stop it your cup will fill up with your family love and whatever ever flows flows onto what you work with in your hands and so many a lot of a lot of people do it the other way around they yeah, get that's yeah. what I was gonna say. guilty 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 and they get home too tired to to yeah, do yeah, yeah. Hold on. yeah, yeah. so I'll, and you know they, i was like man that is really right. We work yeah. hard. And, you know, I calculated when I first had my son because I was trying to justify staying home. 
I probably only see my son probably at least 15 hours in a week. Most of the time you're at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not fair. Yeah, exactly. And that's the best thing that you could give your children is your time as well, right? Like even even with me. So being a bit older and my kids are a bit older, I see all of that now. But when my kids were first born, you know, I did those work Monday to Friday day job, bounced on Saturday, Sunday, and you know, because that's how man, my dad was always at work too, you know. But didn't mean I loved him any less. He was just a it was just a machine, you know. So I thought that was the that was a way of life. And then it wasn't probably until about 2018, 2019 that I, I started noticing that were getting older and they were changing. And then mm. that's when it hit me, you know? That it hit yeah. me many years later, eight years old, nine years old, they were. They're like, shucks, man. It's not just cliche. You can literally never get that time back, you know? <laughs> that time when they were babies and they were crawling and you're loving life because they were saying their first words and, you know, just walking. Mm. And Man, that time never comes back. Now they're giving you attitude and they're always <laughs> hungry. And, you know, they need a lift to training and all this kind of other stuff. And it's like, man, I missed you when you were Google Gaga, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> oh, man. Nah, man. So right, man. Yeah. I love that. And for me, um, and when me and my brother were growing up, Vita, um, it was like, we thought the opposite, right? Because our mum was always home. So like, it has to be Mission Impossible if we want to truant or wag school, right? So like, Vita would have to go and then I would have to stay and then make up an excuse or whatever it is. Um, but we didn't notice like how precious that was. Like our mum was always home. So, you know, when we'd get home, yeah. we'd smell curry and rice. When we'd get home, there'd be food on the table. Yeah. Uh, when we get home, we can yeah. have those conversations with mum. And for yeah. me, it's a lot easier to talk to my mum than, than my dad because my dad was always at work. Um, and I think it's really important to have that quality time um, with, with your kids and just to, to be with yeah. them. Even now, like when we're, we're present, like a lot of it takes up with your, your social media, right? Or you, you either sit on your phone mm. and like you're half yeah. listening to your kids. Um, and I'm so guilty of it, eh? Like, and you can kind of yeah. see for them, oh, then I'll go and do something else. And then they're on devices. So, you know, I yeah. think what got, coming back to your point, Amani, it, it is, that's pretty much when you're there, you spend time with your kids. Um, you got to be present. And yes, yeah. you have responsibilities. And I was speak about at work that, you know, we spend more time with people at work than we do at home. So how are we using that time? And, you know, we have responsibilities, so we have to work. But how do we use um, that time more preciously because yeah back in the day me and were like oh why is our mum always home but we never thought about <laughs> you know people don't have mums you know people don't have yeah. dads so and you know your mum would always say you wait till you grow up and then you know what I'll mean and then now I'm yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. man I don't even know how to do the washing properly because I didn't listen to my mum so you know it's all that type yeah. of stuff hey? uh, when I first moved to um, Australia I was ringing home um, can you, um, how do I uh, make chop soup? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you watching? <laughs> uh, well, I remember was cutting up the meat and grinding up the garlic. <laughs> uh, no, but um, time with, um, yeah, I've got little ones. I've got a six and eight-year-old boy. And, and I think it's sad because I think I understand time more that I work in the community. Yeah. And all that training of um, childhood yeah. development, trauma, mm. and attachment. Um, and it's, I think it's the kind of thing that our people need to understand. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, what we're doing is we're following what our parents did. 
Yeah. Um, for us, that you know, our parents were migrated from the islands to New Zealand. They ground grinded out so we could have a better life. Mm. Now that we're having a better life, I feel I still need to grind it out because my parents yeah. grind it out. Because that's all you saw when you're growing up. Yeah, yeah. and then <clears throat> it was just probably a few months ago. I was thinking, you know what? I don't really need to grind it out. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Need, I do what I need to do, but my time should be with my family. Yeah. Because I used to be one of those guys as well, where at work, all my annual leave gets saved up, and all of a sudden I have, you know, 300 hours, and they're forcing me to take leave. Yeah. But now it's like, what are you going to do with all that leave, you know? You yeah. either cash it out if you leave companies or whatever. So now, again, different frame of mind. Every school holidays, it's minimum a week off, you know, for yeah. that time. So, no, no money. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still buzzing over... Um, you know, this whole topic that we're talking about, um, especially uh, when you talk about, you know, we always give our best selves to our work, we're professional, yeah. we have mm. fun, not even just about having fun, but we, we concentrate. Um, yeah. But then we almost feel like we deserve it when we get home. You know, yeah. I've, I've worked so hard, I've had a hard day or whatever it is, yeah. and you switch yeah. off when you're at home. Um, yeah. When it should be the yeah. other way around where, you know, we're professional at work, we get our work done, yeah. but mm. our best selves need to be with our families, need to be with our wives and with the children because, yeah, like I, I come home and my, so I've got two girls and they're three and five and they are literally like jumping around my neck. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they want my attention and, you know, I love it, but, you know, sometimes I fall into the trap of, you know, you know, being on my phone or yeah. just being distracted yeah. with other things or even just thinking yeah. about work. I'm like, man, I've just left work, but I'm yeah. still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. Um, so, Man, even if there's no other takeaway for anyone listening here, um, I definitely, um, you know, hopefully that resonates with everybody listening as well um, yeah. to, you know, to provide, you know, your best self at home uh, for your family. Um, there's a, another saying that, I, especially in the church um, that I've heard is, you know, you can't compensate, uh, no success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. Um, yeah. And sometimes we're always chasing, you know, success in the world. Mm. But if we got failure at home, like what are we doing all this for? Yeah, what's the point, right? Yeah. Oh, boys, you got me all in my feels right yeah, now. For sure, man. <laughs> for sure. After this, I'm gonna go hug everyone in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this podcast is about. Like, this is we want like-minded conversation, and we want to have those people that are the real superstars. Not, not the. And when we grew up, you know, it was Tupac, Mace, Biggie, and all the rest of it. But like. You know, it really should have been our uncles, you know, our, our father that were the people who were yeah. being our role models because, you know, those are the people we can connect to. Um, and hopefully through this podcast and whoever's listening to this podcast is the same. Like, we need to make sure that we have the right um, role models. And then even for my kids, right? Like, my kids learned how to say their ABCs through an iPad, you know, and it wasn't through me. And yeah. to kind of think yeah. of that is like, wow. And then even when they say the alphabet, it's like in the American. Mm. And I was like, why are you saying in American for? And then I kind of realized like, man, I'm Good not morning, spending father. enough time. <laughs> How are you? But like, it was crazy to kind of think that that's the way it goes if you don't look after. You know, if you don't look after your children, the world will. You know, how do you spend, yeah, how do you yeah. spell time, love? Like it's all that type of stuff that you need to make sure that um, you're doing, but then also having the right um, role models. So yeah, money. thank you for like sharing that with us because it's just a timely reminder. It might seem simple and yeah. basic, but if, you know, you forget it because it's simple and basic. So man, that's, yeah. that was amazing. 
And when we're talking about um, changing the way, it may be late for our generation, but if yeah. we do it right with our younger ones, they'll change the way for their kids. Yeah. And, and sort of break that cycle, right? Yeah. Where we're not just all away working hard, mm. you know? So, you know, I remember dad working hard, he'll come home, dinner on the table. Mm. Nobody spoke to him. He yeah. just, yeah. yeah. The thing is, he ate his food and then after that, he'll go and do his Bible study. Yeah. And um, I and I remember I sought some counseling um, through um, a pastor years ago. And we went through some stuff and I explained who, what my dad did you know, and I respected him for that. And he said, but, and he brought up this subject of, yeah. it was good that he worked hard and then did his Bible study, but he should have spent time with his family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very true. That's, no, that's deep money. Uh, hey, so money. So just moving on um, from all the great things you do in the community in terms of the youth and just what a superstar you are, especially me seeing that firsthand. Man, I was at uh, the Cupid for juniors a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my son was playing for Tonga and um, Samoan. Wow. That just to see that now so just to break it down for everyone so <clears throat> again my first year being new up here in the goldie but there was a tournament just for poly kids so cookies uh png had a side moldy had a side tonga had a side and then samoa had a side now the thing that was super impressive was that samoa actually had four sides wow. so you had a north side a west side aside from the east and uh, money side which was from down south um, and prior to the actual cupid tournament um, Samoa were actually playing each other every week for four weeks or five weeks prior to that so then by the time it hit the actual tournament i tell you what i've never seen a bunch of kids so impressive um, just in the way setting up their plays their tackling like just a well-drilled oil side um as opposed to, to the rest of the team that sort of had a trial here and there. Um, but money, man. well, the, the huge things that's that's happening with the Samoa Gold Coast uh, Association, and um, I know that you founded that in, in 2019. Man, what's what's happening? How, how are you guys putting it all together? It's, it's super impressive, man. And I was looking for you at Cupic, um, but just to put uh, Cupic and the Samoan Rugby League um, into perspective, um, the rugby league is actually secondary. Yeah, um, right. This is this was a new format this year. Yeah. Um, but the focus was more on cultural connectors. Aye. To have all the regions look after themselves was to make sure that um, all the Samoan or the island kids in those regions knew each other. Yeah. And it was yeah. interesting because when the kids come come to training down south, they were yeah. like, "Oh, I play against that kid in." Yeah, yeah, yeah. This school, and then but they all started, you know, making friends. Yeah. And through the weeks that um on the sun um on this on the weekends when they weren't playing, they were having um cultural practice. Oh nice. Yeah. That yeah. was the main focus was um getting them connected back to learning how to speak and sing mm. and dance. Well, rugby league was secondary. Yeah, yeah. The, the, kids would just go and do their own thing but we needed to try and instill um culture into them and you know it was quite funny because i saw so many white kids yeah and i'd be like oh what's the connection or oh, yeah. dad, dads or grandparents were <laughs> I mean, 
yeah. It's, it was amazing. But it was really good. Um, as uh, Moss said, uh, I'm heavily involved in our Samoan community. Um, and I think that was, um, it was always in, in inside me, but it, um, I was pushed more after my dad passed away. Um, yeah. It was um, a Matai, a chief in our family, and also in the village and for the church. So he was a speaking chief, so he knew the, the, the Matai language, which yeah, yeah. I always tell people it's like, it's like a form Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shakespeare. Wow. So when he died, when he passed away, that all went with him, and I didn't sit and have any time to learn that stuff. So, and you know, I was gutted. Eh? So in 2016, there was a guy in New Zealand who was doing Samoan uh, language classes. Mm. He came to Brisbane, and I, and I did that class, and I was blown away that the way he explained it in English made the Samoan make sense. Yeah, mm. like, oh, I <clears throat> as hard as I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really broke it down to the point. Where I was like, oh yeah, I get it. I couldn't believe I was scared of it. Um, and in 2018, I created a Gold Coast um, Samoans on the Gold Coast Facebook page. Because um, I wasn't seeing any Samoans. And then when I set that page up, it slowly started building momentum. And in 2019, I asked if people would want to form an association. Um, and uh, the idea behind that was I always see us island people, oh, Samoans, and let me just yeah. speak. Samoans. Yeah. When it comes to events, they're always going for um, personal loans. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I'm like, we're 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 in a position where we're a little bit smarter. There's mm. so much community funding out there that we can access. Yeah, well, to form an association, we can apply that way for community funding and hold our events. Mm. Um, I I wanted to set it up, but I ended up being the um, inaugural president. Shucks. And then I stepped down last year just to, because I do so much work in the community already, I wanted someone else to come through and fill that gap and learn the way. Uh, but this year I've gone back in as secretary. Shucks. So our passion throughout the league and myself, it's all about trying to connect um, everybody together um, and mainly for our, our children who are born here and don't know anything about our Samoan um, culture. I've got two boys. Their mum is um, full Scottish, born in Scotland. Yeah, well. And, you know, when I try and teach them, they go, oh, why, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And my youngest even came up to me one day and he goes, look, Dad, you know how I'm brown? I go, yep, I'm Aboriginal. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah, just nodded. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Manik, so what? So, Scotland, Wallabies, or Manu Samoa? Manu Which Samoa. way are you pushing the Manu <laughs> Manu. Yeah, Scotland did do too good over the weekend, eh? I take my boys to, um, I try and take them to any cultural stuff that I have. I don't force them to sit in like we were as yeah. kids. Yeah. It's funny because I think they're not listening, but I sometimes hear them playing in the bedroom and I hear them going, really, 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 really. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting in the, in the dining room going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, 
um, you know, another way that we can, you know, focus our efforts and a lot of it is around, uh, you know, communication and connection. Um, mm -hmm. I love the fact that, you know, the, the football was secondary to what you're actually working on. Um, goal, and yeah. the fact that you, you know, you brought the boys together, you brought, you taught them about culture, you brought, you, you gave them the connection, the ability to communicate and that made them better football players. And ultimately, mm -hmm. if, you know, you keep that going and you keep, um, not just culture, but communication and, you know, ways that they can connect at the forefront, you know, mm. it'll translate into their work lives, into church lives, into their relationships, you know, with their, their future partners and so forth. Um, and that's one thing that, um, you know, another a great positive that we need to be mindful of um, for ourselves as well. Uh, um, and, you know, the good thing about us is we've got a lot of, um, we've got a good team, um, and half the team are all community workers, mm, uh, so they 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 get it. Yeah. Um, and the kids there, they've been awesome. Yeah. Like at Cupic, when all the nations come together, man, you see all the Samoans um, and the Tongans. You know, they had friends in other teams, but they were hugging yeah, 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 yeah. and having a laugh at, yeah. at the end of the games. And that's what um, Cupic was all about: was bringing all our nations together. Yeah. And you're right, communication, you know, we can battle on the field, but outside of that, all respect. Yeah. All respect and love. Awesome. But oh, oh, seriously, Money, thank you so much for your time. It's um, it's definitely been a, a pleasure. It's been an eye-opener. Um, but also for me, it's been refreshing for, you know, some personal goals for me and, you know, my, yeah. my own personal relationships mm. um, to work on as well. So... Um, you know, before we finish up, boys, I'll have a, a couple of final thoughts and I'll pass it over to you guys. Um, yeah. But for me, I think I've enjoyed going down memory lane. Um, you know, when we talk about, you know, the whole texting and yeah, the way that yeah. things were. Um, but we need to realize that, you know, we live in a, a different world now. Um, mm. And it's not about just going back to the old ways. Um, but it definitely is. How do we bring things down to a, a basic level where we can have good, healthy relationships, you know, with our, our children, um, because we can't just copy and paste what was done in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. We, you know, we're individuals and, you know, there is definitely sacrifices for all of us to be here today. Um, yeah. You know, all of us have come, you know, we're not native to Australia, but we've all ended up here. Um, and there's been a lot of sacrifice for us to get here. So, mm -hmm. you know, how do we better, um, ourselves to further sacrifice for our children um, so they can have an even better life um, for us. So that's probably my, my final thoughts, Moss. Um, yeah, just from me, um, again, uh, echoing T's words, um, got quite deep tonight, you know, and I really enjoyed <laughs> it, money. <clears throat> you know, just seeing this side of, seeing this side of you, obviously uh, I see what you do professionally, like for me, for my benefit, which super grateful and super thankful for. But um, yeah, just, how you were going through you know your upbringing and i just saw so many correlations to to my upbringing as well and um yeah like like you were saying you know what worked for and i often talk to my sister about this you know just about our parents how our parents raised us they raised us the best they could during yeah. that time you know and now it's 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 not just the copy and paste as t said it's we got to adapt to our environment with what we're faced with, like social media and, and the people around. Um, and yeah, we, we just got to try and raise our kids as best we can. But um, 
Nah, money. Love what you're doing in the community. Um, and as a Tongan, you know, a little bit envious as well because I wish our community was was strong like that. But as a as a Polynesian, very proud to see how you're bringing the Samoan people up. Even with everything that happened on Saturday with the with the tattoo, the tattoo uh, expo, you know, proud Polynesian man, man. Too much respect, and I'm, I'm sure I'll see you very soon during the week. Um, but yeah, thanks, Mani, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, big thank you to um, you, Amani. Um, why can't this keep going? You know, this is the conversations that we want to mm. have. You know, this is the longest, Deep this time, is the yeah. longest podcast we've had, um, and there's oh, a good sorry. reason for it. So you know, if, oh, if you're driving in your yeah. car, wherever you are listening, um, this is the conversations we want to have um, about us about um you know our people but then also about our kids our generations um one thing that i took from yours was you know the stats um don't always speak for what's happening on the ground um and you have to be in the community to kind of know what the community is doing um so there's a book called factfulness um and it talks about you know the world isn't as bad as we think it is if we action the right way or if we're in the community itself so amani you are the manifestation of that of being in the community, talking to the right people and helping the right people. So thank you for being on. Thank you so much, Moss, for the invite. Uh, thank you, Vita, Ali, for your time and um, for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's funny, working in the community, um, you are forced to do things outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, the one thing that uh, people that are close to me know that I don't like talking. <laughs> 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 if, it's, if it's for the cause yeah. then i put my own comfort aside and do what i need to do so um so you know working with young people they always force me to uh, bring probably the best um out and you know that's the only way we um, role model is um, by action um when i do a lot of talks in schools they always ask me you know what can we do and um for these people who are vulnerable. And I, I always you know, finish up with um, a great woman said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. That was my reason. And you know, a lot of people think that's simple, but it's not everybody knows how to do it properly. Mm. You know, when it comes to family and work, you know, one, one feeds your mortgage bank balance and the other one feeds your soul. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You gotta be. We we need to be mindful, not just um, islanders, but um, as men, yeah. um, as leaders of our community, um, and just show the way for our young people. And a lot of the time, it's just love, and love can mean a lot of things. And uh, most of the time, it's patience. Yeah. Um, so again, I just uh, thank you um, to my Tongan brothers for your time, Moss. Uh, thank you. you guys do an awesome job up there um and i just my only feedback for westfield um for where you work is uh <laughs> islanders there <laughs> no definitely definitely totally and um when can you come to maui is there a ticket i can, I can pay for you to come to maui <laughs> all right so starting off uh money when was the last time you got a hiding from your parents the last time was probably the biggest hiding I got. I think I walked for three Ks with my shirt all bloodied and I was probably about 10. Ah, 10 with the shirt bloody. Yeah, right. That's um, the old school discipline. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Manny, when what, what's your favorite island dish? Oh, I say I make a good um sapasui. Oh, Ooh. we have to come visit then. We need to oh, try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say um, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually um a, a judge on the sapasui uh, dishes, eh? So whenever you want to get judged, mate, send someone away. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here, man. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, Manny, what's the jam that makes you act like your crazy uncle or auntie at a siva, hula hula, or a party? Uh, you know, one song that always comes to mind is, um, uh, I'm not a singer, eh? <laughs> I don't meet the island stereotype. <laughs> uh, that beautiful woman. Oh, what a song. Oh, yeah. It always reminds me of um, my parents' um, party. Yeah, yeah. Family party. Yeah. Uh, that was, they always stuck out. Okay, sing it, sing it, Moss. Move <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm sorry, Armani, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't man. mean to ask him to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, buddy. What's the first album you ever bought? Oh, the first album. Jeez. It might have been, um, shame to say, it might have been Bros. Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Before your time. Yeah. <laughs> Copy that, copy that. I think it's your, oh. your uncle, Moss. <laughs> <laughs> the brother, the brother. <laughs> um, so, Manny, we make a, a story or we make a movie out of your story. Who's playing you? Playing me. I bet you everybody said the rock game. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been mentioned, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Denzel Washington. Denzel, Ooh, last nice one. choice. Nice choice. Uh, Manny, lastly, tell us something that helps you kick back, stay ready, and look sharp. I think I just did a deep breath. Hey, hey, uh, nice. Nice deep breath. Stop the deep breaths. All right. All right. Take us home, T. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Manny. Um, we are so grateful to have you here. So just remember for all our listeners to kick back, stay ready, look sharp. Yo, thanks, money, let it go. <laughs> <See you. laughs>